Welcome to the 343 Ministries podcast, where we want to help you be the church right where you are. Whether at work or at home or with your friends or your families, we want to give you practical strategies that can help you build your communities in Christ wherever you are in life right now. So let's get started. Welcome to the 343 Ministries podcast. I'm Todd Baker, your host, and just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. The question that we like to ask is, what kind of community are you helping to build today? And we get that from Matthew chapter 15 and verse 18, which says this, But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. So what is it that God is bringing up out of your heart today to lead your community to bring about innovative an inspiring ministry wherever you are, whatever your job, whatever your responsibilities, wherever he has positioned you, how is he using you to influence others in his goodness and his kindness today? And so that's why we have this podcast is to encourage you to keep doing that, to keep seeking his will for your life and hopefully to inspire you on your journey. This is a new season that we have here at 343 Ministries and in our 343 Ministries podcast. Um, Always glad to have you along with us. The theme of this one is dealing with what it means to have childlike faith, because I don't know if adults quite grasp that concept. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, they approach Jesus, the disciples do, and they say, uh, Matthew records this and it says, at the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And it's kind of that Muhammad Ali moment. (laughs) I am the greatest, you know, everybody, all of us are are the greatest is kind of what we want God to say, because we want that affirmation. We want, um, we want to be recognized for what we've done. They wanted to be recognized for having followed Jesus, I think, as, as you read through this passage. And, and what Jesus does is, what he often does, is that he doesn't, he doesn't answer them directly. He, he uses um, an object lesson to teach a concept. And so what he does, it says, he, he called a little child. And had him stand among them. Now you got to think about. You got to know that children were not respected in Jesus's culture. The, the the time frame and the mentality towards children was that they were they were not really to be listened to or respected with what they had to say until they came of age. In Judaism, it was 13 with the bar mitzvah or the bat mitzvah. Um, we do that today still, right? In churches, there's confirmation. It doesn't happen until you're 13 or 12 or when I did it, it was 11 um, in the Episcopal church. And But regardless, there's this sense that, yeah, if you're younger than that, you know, you really don't have much to con- contribute, sadly. And, and that's, that's kind of why I wanted to expound on this topic a little bit in our podcast. Um, because Meredith and I were trying to figure out, okay, what is it that we want to tell people? Um, and we, we, I think we came up with some good ideas for what does childlike faith look like. And so that's what we're going to do in this 
series as part of our our second season in our podcast. And and so the thing that comes to mind that Jesus is trying to get across here is that he says, and in verse 3, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so the first question is, well, what does he mean by humble? Humble yourself like a child. And if you, if you humble your, yourself, you are turning toward God. He goes on later to say that people who cause stumbling blocks for his children um, are heading down a path of destruction. People that intentionally trip others up or mislead them, misguide them. Um, and I'm thinking this from, yes, a leadership perspective, say, in the church or in, in here in this context of Judaism. Maybe he's thinking of the, the, the leaders that were you know, telling people, don't trust, this guy's not the Messiah, um, don't listen to him, and had already set their hearts on, on killing Jesus. But I think in general, too, there's this sense that anybody can put an obstacle in anybody else's way, intentionally or unintentionally. And he's saying, be careful that you don't do that, because the word obstacle, scandalon, is this Greek word um, for, where we get scandal. <laughs> and um, it's, it's basically saying you're putting something in the way of a child so that they don't turn to God, so that you turn them away from God. And, a, and an obstacle is something that would turn your attention, instead of t towards God, it would turn, turn your, your attention away from him. And, and he says, woe to the world because of those things. He says, because of the things that cause people to sin, and those things are, are obstacles or stumbling blocks. And But I'm getting ahead of myself. So in, in right before this, Humbling yourself like a child, what does that mean? Because if that's the key to being the greatest in God's kingdom, then how can we do that? It seems pretty simple, right? Are we, um, I don't think he means to be childish or to return to your childish ways of not sharing and, and um, pouting and, and, and stomping your feet, though. Those are great expressions of anger, and we all need to do that. <laughs> I think he's going more along the lines of returning to what it means to humble yourself and be dependent on God. That, that many of us get away from that in our faith. That we depend more on ourselves, more on our position, more on our prestige. We're looking, and in this case, um, a great note from Tom Constable, uh, one of my professors at Dallas Seminary, that in, in his commentary on this said, most of the time, we're looking for someone to acknowledge us with a promotion or they're, they're trying to promote us to a place of greatness. And Jesus said, that's not where God's greatness comes from. Greatness to God comes through humility, not through prowess, prestige, which are um, the root of those is pride. Because we, we want this sense of we, we believe that there is this sense of position 
um, relative to other people. So that if, if we're higher up the ladder than someone else, then we have bragging rights or, or we have something to boast about. And, and all of us struggle with that. We're, uh, and, and I think a way to combat that and what Jesus is saying is he is giving them a warning and saying, look, you actually need to stop acting like the grown-ups of this world and return to what it means to be a child in your faith. When you, when you turn to God, turn to him simply out of humility and dependence. That's when you'll find greatness because you'll be positioned to help somebody as opposed to being in a position to harm someone, to put an obstacle in their way so that when you're humble, you're directing people towards God and towards his ways instead of being prideful and pointing to yourself and saying, I have done this, follow me. I am the one who is great because that turns the attention away from God and puts it on ourself. And that's where Jesus was saying, you're on a slippery slope here, 12 folks that are following me. You've been following me for a while, and you need to come back to what it meant when I first called you. Back to that moment where you are dependent on me and not concerned with your position. Because they were concerned about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And, and he says, the greatness comes for those who humble themselves like this child, this little child that no one here respects, but in their innocence and their humility, because they're dependent on God. We always talk about climbing the ladder, and there's nothing wrong with with moving forward in your career, with progressing, with being successful. But it's about, are you still humble as you take those next steps up the ladder? Are you still that, do you still have that childlike faith in God and saying, this is not because of what I have done. It's because of what God has given to me to do these things. He's given me the abilities. Lord, I stop. I've been promoted. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the gifts to even be in this position. Thank you for um, providing for me and my family. Thank you for the success that you've given me in my life, whether it's in school or in sports or in business or in life, in relationships. It's always about coming back to God and saying, Wow, thank you for the success, the success, because I wouldn't have it without you. I wouldn't have the things that I have without you. You are the reason. You have made me with these abilities, and now you are prospering me, and I just want to stop and say thank you so that I don't get ahead of myself and think that I'm the one who has brought all of these things. It's you who have put me in a position to succeed, and and he reminds us in, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, and this is one of Moses' last speeches where he talks about not forgetting the Lord. He says in verse 16, you could read all the way back starting at verse 12 because it gives you a bit more context on the warning, I guess, that Moses is giving the people of Israel. 
And so in verse 16, he says, he, meaning God, he's talking about the Lord, the Lord your God, gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you. To humble and to test you. Don't don't move too quickly past that because there's always a reason for humility when when you say, why am I having to deal with this situation? Why am I going through this? The answer is right there, to test you. It's, it's to test your faith. It's to say what Jesus is reminding the disciples. Look, you don't have a childlike faith right now. Um, remember, no matter what you go through, no matter the, the challenge at hand, have faith like a child because children see God differently than adults and God sees you as a child he does not see you as an adult he's always humbling you so that he can help you return to that childlike faith it's not to to um, harm you that that that's what Moses is saying it's saying he doesn't he wants to love you he wants you to know that you are loved that you are cared for but what happens when we're adults is that we rely on ourselves. We want the greatness. We want the glory. We want the reward. We don't want others to have it, even in our faith. And so this is a consistent warning throughout scriptures because I'm quoting something that Jesus, a book that Jesus quoted. He quoted Deuteronomy very often in the Gospels because he was connecting what God had already communicated all the way to this place where he's now testing the disciples and saying, look, your faith is based on pride. It's not based on humility. And I'm here to help you get it back to a place of humility. And that's what he's trying to communicate to us. That's how kids see God. They, they see him out of dependence, just as a, as a parent who provides for them. And, and so he says, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. This is not to cause trouble, to uh, play with someone, to, uh, you know, as we say, mess with somebody. <laughs> God's not messing with you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to make it so that in the end of your life, at the end of the day, at the end of the challenge, at the end of the moment, it will go well with you. Because you had the faith to keep trusting, to keep walking. I mean, sometimes to keep crawling, right? But then he says, you may say to yourself, and this, this is where there's a shift, and it really shifts from the perspective of humility to one of pride. You may say to yourself, verse 17, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. And you see, there's no sharing involved here. There's no sense of let us, let us help others, let us serve others, let us have a servant mindset. This is not uh, that. This is, this is the heart of pride. I have power. I have strength in my hands. I have produced this thing, and it is for me. It is not for anybody else to enjoy. And that's the perspective that's not childlike faith. It's not. And then Moses says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. 
it is God who has given you the ability to even have the wealth that you have, which has given you the power that you have, which has given you the strength that you have. (laughs) And so all of it comes back to this loving God who wants it to go well with you, but it's about hitting a reset button. He says, you're just getting too full of yourself. You're You're getting ahead of yourself. And I'm reminding you today, look, return to me. Humble yourself today. Please don't walk in that direction. Please don't. I mean, I, I, I hear God, and I know this may not sound right, but in my heart, I hear God begging people saying, please, please, I know what is best for you. You cannot see down the road. You cannot see in the next few minutes. You just can't. And I'm telling you, I want to help. I want to help you get there. But it's through humility. It's not through pride. Because the more you, you're, you're, you're prideful about things, the less flexible you become towards helping others. When we're more prideful, we want to help ourselves. That's it. We, we really don't have concern for others. Family, friends, um, children. And in this case, that's what we're talking about is what, you know, Jesus says, whoever humbles himself like this child in this way, with this type of humility, adult or not, they are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so if you want to find greatness in your life, it's through humility. It's through returning to this kind of faith. And, and, and that when you do, when you return and become like little children, you'll be changed into the likeness of Christ. When we start to say, not my will, but your will be done, as Jesus said. And then he gives some steps um, for this. He says, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Meaning, it's not about you, it's about others. But there's this reward that will happen because of how you treat others. That's verse 5 back in Matthew 18. But, and he gives us this uh, very stern, descriptive warning. Verse 6, but if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, to turn away from God, to be filled with the same kind of pride that you are filled with, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. <laughs> now, if you want imagery, there's some imagery. And, and I think this means Jesus isn't messing around. He's saying, look, it's a path of destruction, is what he's saying. He's trying. I think he's using hyperbole here to say, look, this is serious business. Having faith like a child is very serious to God. It's not something that doesn't mean anything. Um, in fact, I think that this means, I mean, more than trying to take the sacraments every week. <laughs> because there is this place where God wants you to be in so that you can help others to turn to him instead of turning away from him. And the way, the way we handle our lives, the way we handle our choices determines that. 
And so how do, how do kids see God? How can you start to see God as a child again? How can you return back? And then Jesus gives this big warning, or it's almost like a commentary on the world. Woe to the world. Woe to this world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. And again, this is a commentary, I I think, on the world in general. It's Jesus' observations of saying, this world is not right. (laughs) As much as it might be wonderful at times, inspiring, motivating, thrilling, it's not right in how it causes people to sin and how it leads people down the path away from God to a place where they are, they are so far away they cannot hear his voice. And I think of the Chronicles of Narnia, um, the, the first book, which is The Magician's Nephew, and there's this new world that's created, and it's called Narnia, and a lion is speaking, and some people can hear him, and other people just hear a roar, and they don't distinguish the roar and hear it as a voice, a voice of kindness, a voice of creation, a, a voice of love. And that's that path away from God, the path that, has, that, that leads children and adults away from God is one where destruction and darkness is and despair. And so Jesus uses, again, I believe hyperbole here, which is um, verse 8. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. Now again, he's talking to the disciples. He's talking to people who, tr- who trust him and, and who, who believe in him as, as the Messiah. I mean, Peter has already confessed at this point, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so he's talking about using this type of hyperbole with Christians. Now, he is not literally saying, cut off your hand or cut off your foot, but it is so serious to the sen- to, in the sense that it's important that we consider, what if I did not have one of my hands because it was causing me to lead somebody else away from God? One of the best um, Instagram people that I think you can follow is Dr. Becky Kennedy, and she has um, her handle is at good inside at good inside g o o d i n s i d e and the perspective one of the perspectives she gives she she gives so many helpful things about children statistics and and ideas from a from a psychiatrist's perspective and just from psychology but it is so interesting to connect that with our faith and and that's what i i do when I hear or read something she's written or or spoken about. And she talks a lot about being a cycle breaker in your family. That if there's if if you're doing something that is is trying to break a a long held cycle within your family dynamic. And I'm talking about maybe generations of this is how we've done parenting or this is how we've done Christmas or this is how we've done uh, discipline, or this is how we've done 
um, birthdays or whatever it is, but let's say that there's there's an element of guilt or shame or um, sin, honestly, because <laughs> all of our families have that. Um, some talk about it and, and some just bury it, you know. And But it's a matter of saying, and, and this is where this relates back to kind of where I help people in premarital counseling is to say, look, you're getting married. You're starting a new family. In Genesis 2, the ideal picture of marriage is given to us um, by Moses when, when he, he talks about Adam and Eve. Um, when God created Eve out of Adam, it says, verse 22 of chapter 2, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And you've heard that in, at weddings. But the freedoms that come out of this in verses 24 and 25 are so powerful for what I'm talking about as far as experiencing freedom because you're breaking a cycle of sinfulness or or that's maybe been a part of your family or part of your business or career path or whatever it is there are all kinds of cycles out there that we get in, entangled with and get into our psyche and our mind and they convince us to continue doing it because we think there's no other way but there is another way and his name is is Jesus and he said, no, there's a way to change. It's just you have to go through me, and that means you have to go through humility. But there's freedom. There's, there's this new life. There is this new family. And that's what I tell um, two people that are getting married is to say, look, in verse 24, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh, something totally different. As Paul talks about in Colossians, a new creation is happening, spiritually speaking, when when some when two people get married, and there's this this leaving aspect from your original family to create this whole new experience of uniting with one other person. And so you've got freedom and being able to leave and freedom to be united. And then you have this freedom in verse 25, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And so there's this freedom to be vulnerable, to not be afraid to share who you are physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, socially, all, all of those things there that are, I think, encapsulated in, in, that, in that word to, to be naked, to be exposed to one another. And there's no shame involved. There's no guilt, condemnation. It's acceptance. It's, it's love and it's freedom from something else. And in this case, Jesus, that's what he's talking about is saying, look, there's this whole world out there that is crippling you, that is telling you, just keep sinning. It's really not a big deal. You don't need to, you don't need to break that cycle. Just, just keep going. But Jesus says, no, if it's causing you to sin, you've got to change. That's why he said that before in verse 3. I tell you the truth, unless you change, unless you change, you're not going to be free. You're going to live a life that feels like you're in prison. You're going to still be in that place of shame. 
and I've set you free. And those who are free are free indeed. Aren't they? Don't we claim that? It's in Galatians. Today is just a day of quoting scripture, but you know, I mean, sometimes you just have to have it <laughs> to remember. Because we don't remember this stuff because we don't read this, do we? Come on, church. Verse 5, Galatians 5, 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's not about somebody else. It's about you today. You have been set free. So don't return to slavery is what Paul says. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You are free and you can live free. You can break the cycle that, has, that you have felt has been happening to you and you can leave the life of, of being a victim to being victorious. All of this is encapsulated in having a faith like a child. Because it, it, what it does is as we become an adult, we, we become encumbered with all of these stressors, all of these ex expectations, all of these traditions, all of the things that are so so good at disguising themselves as maybe good things. But when you dig a little bit deeper and say, that really makes me not feel good. I don't get a good feeling from that, as Mr. Rogers would say, right? But there are good feelings to experience in life, and they are not from being prideful. They're from being humble. And so Jesus says it's better to get rid of that hand or that foot. Again, it's not a literal, he's using hyperbole here so that people will get the image of, wow, if I lost my hand or my foot, that would be tough. But if I had a millstone tied around my neck and I died because of it, because <laughs> I drowned in, in, in the ocean, then that would be worse, right? <laughs> that would be worse. <laughs> So, um, and then he says, and, as another example, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Now remember, again, this is hyperbole. <laughs> don't, don't gouge your eye out. But imagine if you didn't have two eyes, if you do have two perfectly working eyes. Imagine the, the struggle that that might be. It would be hard. It would be difficult. You, you would have to adjust. You would have to change. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you're going to have to make some changes here. You're going to have to assess what's happening in your life because decisions cause consequences. That's part of living in the broken world that we live in. And that's why Jesus said, this world, come on. It's not a humble place. It's about trying to be great in your own estimation and so that other people are pushed down, so that others are dominated, not helped. And Jesus says, this world of world domination be gone with you because it's time for my people, my children, the followers who know me and hear my voice to stand up and to say, no more. Let us, let's, let's serve each other. 
Let's humble ourselves like children again in our faith. Let us turn towards God and not away from Him. Because that's what it means for an adult to have childlike faith is to return on a daily basis. This is not once a year at Christmas or Easter. Um, this is not when you take the body and the blood of Christ. You surely can renew your faith then, but this is a matter of saying, every day I commit to, to do this, to, to consciously say to God in my prayers, in my words, help me to be humble like a child today. I am turning back to you, Lord. I'm stopping now for the next five minutes. And I am putting my life on hold. All the things I think are, are making me busy or that may be making you busy, put them on hold. Go to a quiet place and say, Dear Father, help me. This world is a place that is causing me to turn away from you. And I want to turn back to you. It's as simple as that. It doesn't have to be verbose. As uh, Howard Hendricks, my great professor um, at Dallas Seminary said, you don't have to scrape the galaxy with your prayers. <laughs> It's actually more about humbling yourself like a little child. And that is what paradoxically makes you great. According to this world, this world says there's no greatness in being a child. We hold children in contempt, right? But God says, no, 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 no. You are my children and you are great when you come to me as a child in your faith. And now, my humble servant, welcome into my kingdom. Welcome into my experience. Thank you for breaking that cycle. You will be highly praised among my children and be great. That's what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is saying. He's, he's correcting the disciples' vision that is very distorted here. And it comes back to this, this, this place to be imaginative again, to be creative again, to be whole again, to experience my life through my son, Jesus Christ. You don't need to hide anything anymore from God. You can be free today in Christ and through Christ. Through Christ, we can have this wonderfully free, childlike approach to God every single day. Not just occasionally, but every single day you can have this. But it starts with telling God what you're thinking. And that was what this email, it really brought out, I think, in, in Meredith, my conversation with Meredith was, you know, there's more in here to share, but it's about starting to tell God what you're thinking. Share with him your dreams. No matter how silly someone may have said it was, it's not silly. 
You hear me? It's not silly. It's not unachievable as much as someone may have told you that. May have said that you're not good enough. May have said you're not smart enough. You're not, you don't have the skill set for that. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. Have courage today. Know that the living God is setting you free from that. And it starts with dreaming that impossible dream again and saying, I don't care what such and such person said to me. That doesn't mean anything. The creator of the universe is telling you otherwise. He's saying, I created you for this, to fulfill this dream, to do this amazing thing. And you will not be disappointed. You will achieve what I set out for you to achieve because I love you and because I made you to do this. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that, there is so much freedom in that and inspiration. And it's about God connecting you to this idea that Paul shares with us in Ephesians 3.20. And this is where I'll close out our podcast for today. God wants to connect again with you today to remind you that every day he is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within you. That's Ephesians 3, verse 20. That inspired verse jumps off the page at us, doesn't it? Because it reminds us that God's not finished with us, no matter how young or how old we are. He's always helping us, helping us to return to our faith that we had in the beginning in Him. That we're turning back to Him. No matter how much water has gone under or over the bridge, whichever it is, that was my friend Ed Phillips. Because a lot of times water goes in over and under bridges and it, and, it, and it hurts relationships. And it's this pride, isn't it? It's this pride of where we turn away from God and say, no, I don't want to help anybody. I just want to help myself because I have the power. I have the wealth. I have the abilities. And this is about me. And Jesus says, no, no, it's about humility. So come, return to me. Become like a child again in your faith. And I'll give you the things that you long for. Is it going to be easy? Nope. <laughs> Anything worthwhile in life is not easy. It's just not. I'm sorry to tell you that if you didn't know that. The hard things are worth it, though. Because that's where your inspiration will come to inspire someone else who will inspire someone else who will inspire thousands of people. Do you see how that ripple effect happens when you break that cycle? It becomes less and less about you. But God says, but you will be called great because you started that ripple effect, that change that has changed the lives of hundreds, tens, hundreds, thousands 
of people. I hope this message, uh, this podcast has helped you today. It certainly has helped me to remember that that I don't live in this place of childlike faith. I live in a I live in a place of adult-like faith with worries, with concerns, <laughs> with pride. And uh, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for turning away from you more often than I turn to you for help. That I try to figure it out on my own and all I, you're telling me is to turn back. Turn back to me. Ask me for help. As Jesus said, keep on knocking. Keep on asking me and I'll give you what you need. I'll help you. I'll help you today. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 343 Ministries podcast. As always, we encourage you to donate to our ministry at 343ministries.com slash give. Together, we can all make a difference in this world. 343 Ministries, Inc. is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization. Also, subscribe to our monthly devotional email for actionable strategies on how you can build up your community in Christ right where you are. And for more ideas, inspiration, and tips, follow us on Instagram at Todd and Meredith Baker. 